Hey everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Our bonds in the driver's seat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap newsletter. Hi, Jared. Hey, I got my uh, Daily Dirt Nap t-shirt on today. Oh, nice. So I didn't know you were, I didn't know you had swag. Yeah, this is for my conference next year. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Well, we want one. When, <laughs> you're, so I know you got to plan these things ahead, right? Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Um, so we are midway through the U.S. trading day. Well, a little bit more than midway. Uh, and wow, looks like stocks are going to finish strong here um, on the back of some pretty good earnings, especially Amazon's a monster. It's having a monster day today. Uh, and we had a payroll report that uh, showed payrolls grew, but a little bit less than estimated. So it wasn't a blowout number. Wages came in a little hotter, but overall... You know, it looks like um, sentiment sort of, you know, leaning the way of equities again. But it's been a really interesting week when we've been on this kind of roller coaster of sentiment. We want to take a little bit of a look back and um, get some sound from some of the great folks we had on. Let's have a listen to that first. The risk reward of owning public equities right now, especially when you're talking about the mega caps. Is horrible. I think the market is sensitive to yield spiking from here. I don't think people are positioned for it. I think people assumed it was impossible. Jay Powell, if you're not going to deal with the inflation problem, I don't want to own your tenure now. I just don't believe the statement that there is going to be no recession after we have had so much of an expansion of monetary and fiscal measures. We have to pay the price. I mean, I think that does a, a pretty good job of tracking it. And I think Michael and Harry and Jim kind of identified the feeling that was coming in the beginning of the week where everybody was kind of rethinking the economy and a lot of people starting to talk about, wait a minute, no landing, it's too strong, the Fed's going to have to do more, rates are not priced accurately. And then it kind of swung back again as we got to the end of the week. So what's going on? What's your sense of what's happening? Uh, just, you know, from looking at that clip, it seems like a lot of people don't like bonds. <laughs> it, it certainly, it's, I, I will say SRI is maybe the exception there, but there was a lot of concern coming up that the bond market had it wrong. That yeah, it the bond, too- it, this, you know, today, today is the reversal for the bond market. The like the yields peaked today and are heading lower. And I think that 10 year yields are going to be lower than 3% in three to six months for sure. Today was the peak in yields. So what you had today was, and not like, not like the fundamentals really matter, but we'll, I'll, we'll talk about the fundamentals. You know, we've had two week payroll reports in a row after we had 14 strong ones in a row. So 14 strong ones and two weak ones. So we have a little bit of a trend here. 
And, you know, the Fed's going to look at this and say, okay, you know, I mean, Tom Barkin said this earlier this week. He said, you know, the rate hikes that we did last year should be starting to take effect this year. And that's the way the Fed's going to interpret it. And you're going to see dovish comments out of the Fed over the next couple of weeks. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is positioning and sentiment. And, you you know, you have Ackman piling on with a 5,000-word tweet. And, you know, interest rates are making the news. And positioning, like, you know, I've seen, I, I've seen readings of positioning in the bond market. Like, I've, I've never seen it more short. Like, 100% consensus. Like, everybody's short. So, you know, the payroll number came out today. It was a little weaker than expected, not materially. And if you looked at the intraday price action, people sold on the number. It didn't go down. And there's been short covering all day long. Mm-hmm. So this this is the reversal that, you know, that I've been waiting for. So. So. What so there so it now seems like there's two camps. We were we were sort of having people think, oh, we've got a soft landing or there's a recession. Now it seemed like people were kind of moved to wait a minute, the economy's way stronger than we anticipated. We're not gonna land at all. Um, and inflation's gonna come swinging back. And then the people who are like, yeah, the economy's really strong, that's true. Rates may go higher, but that's gonna cause the recession. But you're not. How are you thinking about this in terms I think, of? I think so you think rates recession. are going down? You think there's a recession? Is that why? Yeah, I think I think we're going to get a mild recession. I mean, look, the yield curve's been inverted for over a year. It just started steepening again. You know, it, it's been steepening for the last three or four days. People haven't really talked about it. You know, earlier this week we had a bear steepening. Today we have a bull steepening. And when the curve starts steepening again, when it becomes uninverted, that's when you get the recession. So the yield curve inversion predicts the recession, and the recession actually happens when the curve starts steepening again. Mm. And these steepening trades, these bull steepening trades, are some of the easiest trades in finance, right? Because what happens is, is that the Fed gets dovish, they start cutting, and they don't cut once or twice. They're going to cut like 300 basis points, and twos are going to rally massively, and the back end's going to rally, but not as much. It's it's a super easy trade, and it literally just got kicked off today. So you think this is the beginning of what is going to be? Should we be paying attention to if 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 bonds are the trade? What does that mean for equities? Equities are going to go down. So what you saw, uh, you know, as of a couple of days ago, was really a peak in the differential between stock bond sentiment. People were max bullish on stocks. They were max bullish on bonds. That's going to unwind. If you bought TLT and sold SPY and just left it on for three months and didn't look at it, you would make money. Like, this is a very easy trade. So, why doesn't it feel that way for people? Why is there why so much? Why doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. Like, you have, so you just mentioned you have Ackman, you have other people who've been coming out and they're negative on bonds, right? Yeah. I mean, Bill Gross is one. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then on the other side, you have Buffett. Yeah. And on the other side, I mean, if, if you have Bill Dudley and Bill Gross and Ackman on one side and you have Buffett on the other side, who are you going to go with? You're going to go with Buffett. I mean, think about Buffett, like out of the whole universe of things that he could buy, like any stock that he could buy says, no, I'm actually not going to buy stocks 
I'm going to buy tenure notes. Like that to him is the most undervalued security on the planet. So what do you make, what do you make of stocks rallying today? Uh, well, it's a little bit of a relief rally on, on payrolls. Um, so I, so I'm, I'm actually short stocks and long bonds. Um, and, uh, I, I got short the S and P, uh, a little bit below 4,600 and, uh, been kind of sneaking into a bond position. Um, but yeah, a little bit of relief rally, but I think, I think by the end of next week, I think the S and P will be at like 4,400 or something like that. So, Oh, really? So you see this, you see this move for stocks and bonds sort of accelerating. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so <laughs> Christopher is saying, I'll take the opposite side of Jared's reversal call for reasons that are too numerous to recap here. We can, um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep busting you up all day long. Like I've, I've been doing this on Real Vision daily briefings for years. Yeah. I, I, you know, go ahead, take the other side. Yeah, but it is, um, it is, it is a little split though, isn't it? You know, um, and I know that I know what you're talking about in terms of sentiment, but, um, what do you, what do you make of the argument? So first of all, are you just looking at it from a, from a, I'm thinking in real time here, people, it's Friday, bear with me. Um, what do you make, are you basing this on sentiment just the way people are positioned or are you also looking at fundamentals, Jared? Pretty much like 90% sentiment. 90% sentiment. Okay. So how much do you think this is going to run in terms of, of yields? Like we've seen a lot of bond volatility, right? We saw it again this week. They were on course to have their worst week in the year, I think. Yeah. Um, we saw a big move in yields. So what do you see on the reverse side? Are we also going to see that kind of volatility with yields moving lower? How quickly, or is this kind of a more of a grind lower as people start to see data points come in or as sentiment starts to swing the other way? Uh, it depends on the data. It depends on, depends a lot on the data. It depends a lot on Fed speakers. Um, I think, I think what I think the yield curve will look like in six months, maybe nine months, let's say nine months is you'll have twos at two, two and a half percent and tens at 3%. Um, that's what I think. I, that's what I think the yield curve is going to look like. So mm-hmm. I think the front end is going to come down dramatically. So, and you think that the inflation narrative is going to allow the Fed to? Is the Fed done? The Fed probably doesn't know that they're done, but they might be done. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Uh, and you think the inflation data is going to? behave well enough for them to allow them to do that? Um, I do. We do have CPI next week. Um, that's been, actually, and that's been a market mover. Yeah, I should actually pull it up and see what's estimated. So it's estimated to go up to 3.3. 3. Um, so we'll see. But ultimately, I think, I think CPI gets down to about two and a half, somewhere around there. So I think, I think the inflation data is going to cooperate. So you would not be you would not be pricing out the easing that, that the Fed, you know, because that was the, that's, that was, everyone's got those rate cuts still in the forecast. They've been pushing them out a little bit, but still in the forecast. And then 
people are kind of looking at some of that data coming in and going, hang on a second, maybe, you know, we're well, I mean, there's some rate cuts priced in, but really the way you have to look at the Fed funds curve is it, it's not like it's not like you're pricing in a hundred percent chance of 75 basis points of cuts. It's like you're pricing in a 50% chance of no cuts and a 50% chance of 200 basis points of cuts. Like if the Fed cuts, they're not going to cut once or twice. They're going to cut 10 times, you know? So that's, that's really the, that's the piece that people are missing. They look at the front end of the yield curve. They look where twos are. They look where Fed funds are. And they say, oh, we're pricing in a bunch of rate cuts. But the reality is, is that if the Fed starts cutting, they're going to cut way more than what's priced into the front end of the yield curve. So, hmm. so I mean, what what's the economy look like if the Fed is in that position? Uh, I mean, I mean, is it a severe? Is it a a mild recession? Is it is something breaking that's going to cause bonds to do so well and and the Fed to be cutting I mean, or? Ultimately, it comes down to the labor market, right? Because that's that's the one piece of data that has political significance for the Fed, you know. And I think that um, you know the Fed has been obsessed with the labor market for the last year, you know, trying to cause job losses to slow down the economy. But I don't think I don't think they really want to cause job losses, like not going in not going into an election year. So I th yeah. I think. You know, look, two bad payroll reports in a row, we get one more. And, you know, like you said, I think I don't think the Fed knows that they're done, but they might be pretty close to being done. So uh, Michael was asking, do you like short duration bonds, say one year treasuries versus zeros or TLT? Well, I mean, so the one the way you have to think about this is um, if you play the front end of the curve, there's not a lot of duration. So even if you even if you get twos right, you'll make 2% best case scenario. And then you have refinancing risk, right? Like you, so you're going to take a 5% to your note and you're going to roll it into a 3% to your note. So usually in these situations, it makes sense to play the long end of the curve just by tens and get the duration and lock in, you know, where are tens right now? 4.1%, like lock in 4.1%. So. Uh, we also have people asking about oil. So are you looking at that? Cause there, there are, I think the folks are in the camp that the economy is stronger than expected and it's going to create, you know, put upward pressure on rates in the fed. Um, look at oil and say that bottom's likely in, and we're going to see upward pressure on oil. That's going to send some of those inflation numbers higher again. Are you watching yeah, the oil time. space? I mean, oil, oil just broke over 83 before we came on the air. You know, like it's up two bucks today. So I got long at 75. Um, and I think oil has a long way to go. I don't study the fundamentals of oil. I study charts and sentiment like I do everything else. Mm. And we have, a, we had a nice big rounded base uh, bottomed around the high 60s, had a base that lasted about six months, broke through the downtrend. We, you know, once we broke above 75, it's been a straight shot to 83. And I think it continues for a while. So in terms of oil sending inflation higher, like that, that'll take some time to feed through the data that will happen. 
But ultimately, I think we're going into 2024, an election year, with the labor market getting worse, oil prices going up, and the Fed really not be able to do anything about any of it. Uh, Bill is saying in central Pennsylvania, we are already in a recession. Depends on where you are sitting. You know, that's going to determine, I guess, how you're feeling about the economy. Thank you for that, Bill. We always like to get reports from the real world. Um, but it doesn't, it certainly doesn't seem like that if you look at the stock market. I mean, I guess this is the difference between the financial economy and the real economy, Jared. Yeah, it's it's not a recession where I live. It, like here, it's a food fight. Like it's an absolute <laughs> food fight. Like it's just, it's the hottest economy you'll ever see. And uh, it still feels that way. Yeah, it still feels that way. Yeah. So there's regional differences. I mean, I've been to central Pennsylvania, right? Like it, it yeah, it's been in recession since 1994. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to weigh in, Bill, but that but that is a good point. Um I, I also saw that depends it depends evidently where the hot concerts are this summer because um I did not realize that Taylor Swift made it into the Fed's beige book, I think, because of uh the oh, she sort did. Of That's economic hilarious. yeah, I, I think I saw I, I I was multitasking, but I think I saw it out of the corner of my eye because of the halo effect of and of course she's not the only one there, Beyonce and Sharon. There's a lot of big concerts and when they're coming in they're lifting local economies. Um, so people are still spending on that. They're still spending on services. If, if you think that um, we're going to have the sustained bond move, Jared, what, what, what's the catalyst? Like, where is that going to feed through first? Is it employment? Is it that CPI number? Where's the evidence going to come to support that sentiment? Or get I don't know. People, people ask me what the catalyst is all the time. All I know is that the sentiment's maxed out, positioning's maxed out, charts are maxed out. I mean, what you know? Nobody predicted a couple of days ago that Fitch was going to downgrade the U.S. You know, so there's a catalyst for you. We didn't. Nobody saw that coming. So yeah, just you, you just never know. Yeah, I know most people. Larry Summers is really mad about that. <laughs> Somebody point. I think Sri pointed that out yesterday, or someone, or Jim Bianco actually. Um, but Larry Summers is he's still making headlines. Um, but that didn't really have much of a market bearing did it do you think that has any any lingering effect that fitch downgrade uh i think it does i mean look we've been through a downgrade before back in 2011 and you know i traded during that downgrade and it was very perplexing because you know you would think that if u.s debt gets downgraded then yields go higher but back in 2011 yields actually went lower and everybody got it completely ass backwards. Like it, like it totally ripped faces off of people. It was nuts. Um, but stocks were in 2011, stocks were down about 20% from the highs. There was about a 20% correction. Um, so I, I do think it, I think it had sort of a one day effect on the equity market for sure. You know? So if, if bonds are, you, you like bonds here, uh, and stocks are going to correct. What do you see happening there? Is it the whole market? Is it a portion of the market? And how how do you see that playing out? Is it is it how how sharp of a correction? Is it a quick one? How do you see that? Well, I don't really know. Um, I mean, my gut tells me that you'll have a rotation out of tech and into everything else. And probably I should be short NASDAQ instead of S&P, but I just hate trading the NASDAQ. 
And as I said, the last time I was on, I, you know, the S and P is kind of a tech index anyway, so it's good enough. Um, I just have a lot more experience trading the S and P. So yeah, I mean, it should, it should be tech. You should get a rotation. Um, it should help value. It should help small cap, but I don't know. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I mean, the rate, uh, if we see rates start to move down, doesn't that reaccelerate things? You know, doesn't that kind of work against the Fed? I think it depends on why rates come down. You know what I mean? Like, if if rates come down because of a risk off event, then I don't think that necessarily reaccelerates things. So I think it really depends on the reason. Yeah, Alex is saying there there will be no cuts until something breaks. Do we are we still thinking that something has to break for the Fed to make a move, or that that the lag effects of all of these? rate hikes that we've seen already and the higher rates will cause trouble somewhere. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, it's, you know, I've been saying for a little while that I, I do think we're going to get more bank failures. Um, I do think that's going to happen. Um, but, Which is interesting because that, I don't think that's where sentiment is right now. That yeah. sort of seems like it's in the rear view mirror. Do you think we're yeah. being too complacent about that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah why what do you think it's just a matter of time um yeah it is a matter of time i mean if you think back to 2007 right you know we hiked rates up to i want to say five and a half percent then all the mortgage lenders started to croak uh then bear stearns croaked then the gses croaked then lehman croaked and you know the market didn't really bottom until march of 2009 so that was like a 21 month process of everything falling apart after we hiked rates to five and a half percent. Like it just, you know, we hiked rates a bunch and Silicon Valley Bank blew up and a couple other banks, but we're going to get round two and round three and round four. That is going to happen. So one of the yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we were all talking about the the not the bank run, but the bank walk. Right. And the fact that why would you keep your money in a bank when you can get that yield on a, on a T-bill or, you know, get that, um, nothing's changed with that. Right. So is suddenly the deposit situation more stable? I mean, not, you can still put, park your money and get a decent rate. You have an option, but no one's talking about that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure why I'm not sure what changed just the panic, the panic was over that momentary. Yeah, safe to go back in the pool for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Ralph saying, when is Larry Summers ever happy? Well, that might be, that might be fair. Um, are you watching the issuance coming, Jared? We, we have a lot of, that was another, there, were, there was a lot of news this week and there were, you know, everyone's paying attention to earnings and we had the downgrade from Fitch and, a lot of economic data, but we we do know that they're going to be issuing a lot of, they're going to have to issue a lot of bonds. Is that a problem at all, absorbing them? Does that impact your call on bonds? So a little history. So back in, back during the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, um, 
you know, we spent 700 billion on TARP, 780 billion, and the government was spending money like crazy. And the treasury was doing these huge auctions, lots of issuance, you know, and I was looking at like these 30, 40, $50 billion bond auctions. And I'm like, who's going to show up to the auction? Like we're going to have a failed auction. So I started doing a lot of research on what happens when an auction fails hmm. and if it ever happened again. And I wrote a lot of it about in my newsletter. Well, the thing I didn't take into account was the demand side. You know, when we were in the biggest risk-off event of all time, the stock market was down 57%, and people didn't want stocks. They wanted the safety of bonds. And mm. those auctions were just gobbled up by demand. So we tend, you know, when you look at the bond market, a lot of people look at the supply side, and they say, oh, you know, we have we have all the supply. We have these big auctions. But you know, just on, you know, just like on the flip of a hat, like we, we might be in a risk off environment and the demand shows up to those auctions. Like I've never seen in my career, I've never, it's, I've seen one or two week auctions where like the bid to cover is like below two, like significantly below two, but I, you know, it's just never been my experience that we've had just an overwhelming of supply of bonds at an auction and it's just a disaster. It never happens. Yeah, that's a great point. And we, you know, when you look around the globe, you definitely have stresses and strains. I mean, we only need to look at the UK and and Europe uh, for some of the weakness and recessionary issues there. So, um, really great to underline that demand side of things. Um, it always, for all the issues, you always think of it's like the the cleanest shirt and the dirty laundry or the you know, clean as dirty shirt or whatever that, whatever that saying is, <laughs> it looks more attractive than even though there are issues and than other places. Sarah asking, what are the implications of Jared's view for us dollar versus the pound British pound in particular? Well, the dollar is going to get a lot weaker. Um, you know, if, if my thesis plays out, if, if the fed has basically stopped and they're going to start cutting rates over the next six to nine months, then the dollar has a long way to go on the downside, like at least another 10%. Um, so good for commodities, good for international equities, you know, all that stuff. Uh, Christopher commenting, big money is buying one-year T-bills. They're just not advertising it. Um, thank you for that, Christopher. Uh, so Jared, any, uh, are you in this, would you, be holding anything in the stock market. So if you're if you're a buyer of bonds, um, are you would you be getting rid of or neutralizing everything in stocks, or are there some things you're holding on to? I have sold pretty much everything at this point, and the only real the only real spec positions I have at this point are outside the U.S. Like I'm looking at my list, just I Argentina. Have like, we know you're watching Argentina. Yeah. Uh, I got some stuff in Europe, the emerging markets, but I really don't have any U.S. stocks. And I think, you know, if you were to make a shopping list of stuff you wanted to buy, you know, if the S&P gets down to 4,100, 4,200, uh, that's going to be a much more attractive entry point. So, you know, I think that's going to happen in the next couple of months. So when you're talking about bond sentiment, I'm just curious because so many, it's been such a hard trade. So many people have gotten it wrong. Um, people were expecting it to, to be a big buy and they were wrong. Do you, do you, you think they've all gotten out of that trade? 
that's why sentiment is lopsided. So people were were thinking that this was the time to buy bonds, right? That they that this recession was coming, but it's been so long. It's been oh, taking I so long to get here that people have been burned. Like the bond trade hasn't yeah. worked out for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you think they're all you think they're all out of it or like, you know, it's it's been a tough one. Yeah, that's what happens. People get exhausted, you know. And I mean, all it takes is for price to change sentiment. You know, you get yields yeah. from three and a half to four point one, and people say, "Well, you know, maybe maybe we're going to have maybe the bond market is going to get destabilized. Maybe rates are going to shoot higher, and you know, just not going to happen." Today was today was the reversal. Today was a reversal, and the bond market is going to go a lot higher from here. So, in price and down in yield. Yeah. Any thoughts on silver and gold, Ralph wants to know? Um, you know, I spent some time looking at gold today. Um, it's really kind of in the middle of the range. Um, it, I got to say, gold miners just continue to suck. Ter- terrible. Just terrible. You know, at, like, if you told me five years ago that Gold would be trading at 1940 and the GDX would be at 29. I'd be like, you're you're out of your mind. Like those stocks get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm long a bunch of gold, but I think psychologically I'm kind of neutral here. Um, I think there's some support at 1925, which we bounced off of on the payroll report this morning. I think if we take out 1925, then it could get a little bit ugly, but that's my only opinion. Yeah, some someone was pointing out that sort of all the conditions are in place. If you can't get a gold rally here, you know, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Hence your neutral position. What do you, uh, I, I usually like to go around the horn and sort of find out what you feel most convicted about, where you feel like the market's most mispriced, where sentiment's the most off, but you're just all in on bonds, right? That's the answer you're going to give me, bonds. Uh, well, long bonds, short stocks, long oil, I, I guess those three. Yep. You, yeah. You've been kind of like on the sideline for a while, Jared. This is the most convicted I've heard you about something for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, you, you know, kind I of mean, said you were waiting for it, right? You were waiting for some kind of signal or waiting for a feeling that things were lopsided. And I guess you feel that way now. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a sentiment trader, you don't get signals every day. You don't get signals every week. You get maybe like three or four or five a year. Um, and so when they happen, like you really want to push all in and take advantage of it. So that's what I'm doing right now. So I love it. Well, we got a lot to talk about in coming weeks because there's definitely some people who who are who don't share that view. So we're gonna not only between Ackman and Buffett, but even on our air, and we like to get we like to get everybody's point of view. So it's gonna I'm not, be I'm not losing fun. any sleep. You know, I, I can see that. I can see that. You're a confident <laughs> man at the table, Jared. I see that coming through. Fantastic. Um, always fun to end the week with you. I can't believe a half an hour just went by. Thank you so much, Jared. We appreciate you. Yeah, yep. thanks. Thanks for having me. Before you all go, just want to give uh, an announcement, let you all know uh, about something super exciting happening here at Real Vision. We just launched season two of the Real Vision Collective. 
Uh, it is the Real Vision Collective is on a mission to bring all of your favorite NFT communities together while giving you the knowledge you need to navigate Web3, a great entry point if it's something that you are interested in but haven't really dipped your toes into. If you want to help us keep building the super community of NFTs, head over to realvision.com slash collective. You can learn more about uh, the new season, mint one of your own. You can also watch the Crypto Daily Briefing where Ash broke it all down. That's on the platform. It's the one he did today. And Elaine is hosting a DGen happy hour. If you don't know what that is or you haven't been to one, I highly recommend it. It is so much fun. You can follow her on Twitter to find out how to do that. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. 